There's an army rising 
Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. Uh, please make your way in. If you're out in the lobby, if you can hear my voice and you're grabbing your last cup of coffee, bring it in and uh, enjoy. But this is our opportunity to, uh, to worship God together. Um, you know, it is good and right to do that, uh, of course, all throughout each of our days. But um, it is very special to bring worship to God together. Whether you are a believer in Jesus Christ or you are seeking after him or you just have simple questions about who he is uh, and who God is, this is a great place to be because uh, you will hear much about Jesus this morning. We will in a moment worship him by a reading from his word and also through uh, song, through music. But all that we desire to do uh, in this place as Christians is to bring honor and glory to our God, for he alone is worthy. And so this is the opportunity now as I read from uh, the word of God, from the scripture, to, um, to allow it, to allow these words, this truth uh, spoken by God, to sink deep into our hearts and to help us to lay aside all of the cares of the world, the things that may be distracting us from connecting with the Lord this morning. Uh, and so we'll have that opportunity right now. So you're going to hear the word of God. I would ask that you would just listen. And uh, even you can pray as you hear it read. And then during our prayer that God would, through his Holy Spirit, lead you to worship him and to lead you to a place where you can lay aside all of those things that you may be thinking about, things rolling around your mind, it happens to all of us, and to focus solely on him. We are told in the word to set our minds on things above where Christ is, not on things of the world. So church, as best we can, uh, of course, with the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit, let us leave the world outside and let this place be a place of worship and praise to our God. Amen. A reading from the word of the Lord in the Old Testament, found in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It is an account of the people of Israel going into battle. But pay attention to what the king does in this account and what God calls him to do regarding battle and worship. Then in the midst of the assembly, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, and he said, Listen, all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, Do not fear or be dismayed. Because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but the battle belongs to God. Tomorrow, go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the valley in front of the wilderness of Jeruel. You need not fight in this battle. Station yourselves Stand and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out to face them, for the Lord your God is with you. 
Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. The Levites from the sons of the Kohathites and of the sons of the Karahatites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a very loud voice. They rose early in the morning and they went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, O Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Put your trust in the Lord your God and you will be established. Put your trust in his prophets and succeed. When the king had consulted with the people, he appointed those who sang to the Lord and those who praised him in holy attire. And as they went out before the army, they said, give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness is everlasting. We praise God for that. Before they went into battle, they worshiped God. And even that, God said, you will not have to fight today in this battle, for the battle belongs to the Lord. He said simply, station yourselves, stand and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. Would you stand with me? We praise God for his mighty and powerful word. Father God, as we enter into a time of worship through song, may you be glorified. God, we all face battles in our life, battles of temptation and sin, battles of distraction, battles of the things of this world to take our minds off of you, Jesus. God, we all have battles to face, but we praise you right now in this place this morning that you remind your people Israel so long ago and you remind us today, your church, that ultimately the battle belongs to you, that you go before us, that your spirit leads us, and that ultimately we not, need not even fight the battle, for you fight those battles for us. You simply tell us and bid us to come and to stand and position ourselves so that we can see the rescue and salvation of our mighty King. We praise you for that this morning, Lord. So we sing those words of praise to you, for the battle belongs to you, and you alone are worthy of praise. So we worship you, Lord God, before and in the midst of our battles. We thank you for that privilege of being able to do that. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, let us worship our God now. Oh 
can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadow. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God.
risen, he is risen, he's alive.
Father God, you are great, a great and mighty God that we serve and that we worship. You deserve all that praise and so much more. God, thank you for being our mighty God, our mighty warrior king, but a God whose heart is gentle and compassionate and benevolent towards us, your children. We thank you, God. You deserve that praise. And Lord, may the rest of what we do this morning also be worshipful in your eyes, a sweet sound to your ear. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Say good morning to somebody next to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. I just, I love all the fellowship. It's awesome. And that's right, yeah. Somebody once said to me, it's kind of like herding cats, right? They've got to get us back, and we, we praise God. But God is good, you know, and we're, we're uh, privileged to be able to worship him. I trust that you enjoyed a time of powerful worship that... Um, that just reminds us how good and great our God is, and we get to sing songs. And I, I thank God for, for music. You know, it's, it's a language that God created for us, a special language, I, I think, that, that we can use to, um, to connect with and speak to one another and, of course, to speak to our God. So I'm thankful that we can worship him through song here at Trinity. We love to do that. Um, but we're grateful. We thank you for all the, the, the teachers and our kids that make their way down during this time, and um, you know, the Word of God tells us to commend His mighty works one generation to the next, and so that's our calling as a church, right, is to continue to live out the gospel, but to share it 
to proclaim it, to teach it, and instill it in the next generation with each other, discipleship, and with those of the, um, the next generation. So I hope that um, you were able to save up all the daylight that you could because the daylight savings time is done. I don't know where you stored it, but you're going to need it. Um, I heard on the way in this morning that I think the sun sets today at 445, something like that, right? So I just thought I'd start us off on a good note, you know, right? <laughs> um, but uh, we praise God for um, all the time that we get to have together and for a wonderful day. Remember, after our, our worship service this morning, uh, we have our fellowship lunch. So, of course, everybody is welcome to stay for that. It's our first of what is normally our potluck, but today our theme was soup and sandwich. So um, those of you that could brought your favorite soup to share. And uh, we have the church providing sandwiches and desserts and all that. So of course, as you know, this is a wonderful time in the life of Trinity and our church family and everybody is welcome to stay. There's plenty of food and, and great conversations to go along with it. So um, we, I, thank, I thank the team that helps to put that together um, but of course, we will end our worship service with communion. So we do that on the first Sunday of the month, normally. We do that in conjunction with the fellowship lunch, because like the ancient church did, they had their big agape feast. They would eat often together, sometimes in homes, sometimes in larger gathering spaces. But they would gather to celebrate the risen Savior, celebrate new life in Christ. But they'd always take a part of that celebration to, uh, to set aside to remember and reflect on what it cost us to have new life in Christ because it cost Jesus everything. And so we will end our service today with communion, the bread and the cup, and I'll lead us through that. And then after that, we then enter into our time of food and fellowship where we continue to encourage each other, you know, remind each other of what um, Christ did on the cross for us. But as we sang, that um, our eyes should also then go to the empty tomb because he defeated death, hell, and the grave on our behalf so that we can sing like we just did. Praise God for that. A, quick, a couple of quick announcements, and then we'll open the word of God together. As I mentioned last week, these are hot off the presses, our uh, second installment of our discipleship pathway um, tool set, and uh, it is really a resource, the discipleship pathway, to help us all Stay on track of being followers of Jesus, because that's what a disciple is. A disciple is a learner and a follower. And so um, we are, as believers, um, given this, this choice, as Jesus said, do you want to be my disciple? And here's what you do. You take up your cross daily, you deny yourself, and you follow me. And that's hard work, and we do that by the leading and power of the Holy Spirit. Salvation is the easy part in that we simply believe wasn't easy for Jesus, but given to us as a free gift. But then we have this choice before us, and we want to follow him, live for him, be his disciples. And so the scriptures lay out uh, many implications of that and things that we should be focusing on as followers of Jesus. And so that's what our discipleship pathway resources do. They help us to do that. And so please check out our, our, our website uh, when you get a chance about our discipleship pathway um, and uh, you'll be hearing a lot more about this next resource, the Tell Your Story, Tell The Story booklet. Um, there's a lot in here about what it looks like um, to follow God. It talks about the essential gospel. And so we learned to, to share our testimony and how um, God drew us to him, and we put our faith and trust in Christ. And 
We all have a very unique and powerful testimony. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise, that your story matters to God and your story matters to other people. God will use you to reach others that he might not use others to reach. And so realize that your testimony of faith in Christ is powerful and important. But we also then have to learn in conjunction with that how to tell the story. That means the gospel. How would you share the gospel, the good news of the grace of Jesus Christ in 30 seconds or a minute? If you had that opportunity um, where you knew you only had a minute with somebody and you wanted to share the gospel, how would you do that? What words would you use? What things are essential to the gospel? What things do people need to believe in order to be saved? How do we even define the gospel? It's all in this booklet. As you can tell of the immense importance of this, as we continue to live out our faith and to share it with others. So keep looking for more on how we're going to unpack this together in, um, in classes, in classrooms together, in homes, and uh, in a, uh, a sermon series that is coming soon. So Discipleship Pathway. Uh, also, I want to make sure that we continue to save these dates. If you weren't here last week, make sure you do that. Today is our fellowship lunch, and so I see you all save the date for that. Thank you. And we are here, so we check that off your list. I did that. It's good. It's good to check things off, right? Uh, we have a church work day next Saturday. We try to do one or two of these a year. We have lots of work to do. Most of it is, is uh, inside, but there's something for everybody to do. So put that on your calendar um, this coming Saturday. Spend a few hours with us to help clean up and beautify this, this great uh, building, an asset that the Lord has given us. Um, the annual coat giveaway for the Jersey Shore Rescue Mission, one of our uh, long-term uh, missionary partners, uh, that is on the 18th. That Saturday, and so if you volunteered in the past, you would have gotten an email about how to volunteer again. If not, just go to their website. It's right there, and you'll see how to volunteer. There's just somebody you'll send an email to one of the directors there and let them know you're interested to help on that awesome day on the 18th to help do that annual coat uh, giveaway for the winter. And then finally, we do have our annual Thanksgiving Eve service the night before Thanksgiving at seven o'clock, and then we end that time of thanksgiving and testimonies and worship. That's what it mostly is. We have a short message, but a lot of testimonies, as I just mentioned, and, um, and fellowship and worship, but we end with a pie social as well. Kind of get yourselves ready for the next day for Thanksgiving, right? Get ourselves ready to eat a lot of pie and stuff. So uh, that's always a great uh, time, family, and uh, being able to, to give thanks together, right? We always want to be thankful uh, we also have our women's Christmas party, the annual Christmas party coming up at the, the Miller's home in Howell. You can read all about it on our website, trinityallenwood.com. I just want to make you aware of that. It's Friday evening, December 1st from 7 to 9.30. And so, uh, ladies, just uh, make sure you save that date. Go to the website to find out more details about things to bring and the address and location of all that. But that is coming up on uh, December 1st. And then um, we also have, this is coming up in just a minute, but um, I wanted to show you something on our website. And um, there's just some new resources on our website. I mentioned our discipleship pathway, but if you go to our website, you see there is the landing page. And some of you that go to it often will notice we have a, a whole new design. And so we have a brand new fresh design for our website. It's even more uh, mobile friendly. And so if you uh, check out our website, on your phone, you'll get to see a lot more. It's just clearer. So there's our homepage. If you scroll down, you'll see our core values, learn, grow, serve. You click on each of those, and it brings you to more information about how you can learn and grow and serve together. Of course, what we believe, our statement of faith, 
And so if you want to know like what we believe and what we teach here, that's very important that you do that. Um, and of course, if you're away, you can watch live. That's our live stream. And you scroll down more and then you'll see uh, our latest um, sermon that's there. And then here is the gospel. And this is what I wanted to bring your attention to. Right there, a, a great place to start. If you click on that where it says the gospel, discipleship starts here, you'll see this first page come up, the gospel explained. I don't expect you to read this, and words are small, but I just wanted to show you how to navigate to it. If you look on the right-hand side there, you'll see in those highlighted words, there's a lot more that, uh, that we unpack to the gospel. There is the gospel explained. It's fleshed out. There is the gospel story, the gospel for all of life, because we know the gospel is about that moment of salvation, but how do we employ and use the truth of the gospel throughout our whole life? What's the place of the gospel with discipleship? It's all right there. And there's even, uh, the last one there is an exposition of John 3.16. It's an adaptation of one that I've appreciated for many years I would just encourage you to go to our website when you get a minute and check out all of our gospel-related resources. If there's somebody especially that you've, been, that you've been looking to share the gospel with and you want more information, how do I do that? Um, uh, and what does that look like? Some good words and resources. Check this out. It's all on our website. You can go there as you scroll down on the homepage, the gospel start there. And you'll see all these other resources listed there. Okay, really important. And, um, you know, our website has a lot more information than you would think. And that's just one uh, important part of it. So thank you. Um, before we open God's word, I uh, wanted to read something to you that's also posted on our website. Some of you have seen this already. Uh, on the top page of our, uh, on the top of our homepage, we have a banner. Whenever there's uh, certain things we want to announce, or um, things that we're specifically uh, praying for, giving attention to. Uh, we have uh, up there prayers for Israel. You can click on that. It's hypertext. So you can click on it. And um, I put together a list of things to consider as you pray for the nation Israel. I'd like to read it to you, and then we'll pray. Here's what it says. Again, this is posted on our website for all to read. Our God is sovereign and always in control. He is completely trustworthy and keeps every one of his promises. No matter our circumstances or the state of fear and tumult all around, we look to Jesus as the only source of true peace and hope. Psalm 122.6 says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And we also want to pray for the Lord's hand of mercy and justice over that land and its people. And let justice be God's justice. Beseech the Lord for his justice to roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream, like it says in the book of Amos chapter 5. By God's standard alone do we measure what is good and what is evil. David prayed prayers of imprecation in the Psalms that God would avenge his adversaries and destroy Israel's enemies. But Jesus also calls us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. So let us pray and pray fervently and without ceasing 
For prayer is the weapon of the child of God. Pray that God would protect his land and his people while mercifully protecting every innocent life. God is for life. Satan, the enemy, is for death. God is love. The enemy loves to hate. Pray for an end to anti-Semitism, the irrational hatred of the Jewish people. For this war that is at hand is not about land, it's about hate. Praying for the peace of Jerusalem means we are praying for the return of Jesus, for there will be no real peace in the Holy Land until the Messiah Jesus returns at the very cries of that nation. For I tell you the truth, Jesus says, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From Matthew 23, 39. Pray the Lord's prayer, the disciples' prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His kingdom will come. His will be done when he returns. So pray for the return of Jesus Messiah, the Prince of Peace. For the government will be upon his shoulders in his kingdom, and in that day there will be no more war. From Psalm 120, Too long has my soul had its dwelling with those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. And I end with Psalm 122. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. May peace be within your walls and prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brothers and my friends, I will now say, may peace be within you. Would you pray along with me? Father God, we often don't know how to pray, especially for things like war. And so we pray for peace. Peace as your will allows, rescue and salvation for all involved, according to your will. We know your heart. Your heart is for justice. And your heart is for peace. God, we beseech you. In the name of Jesus, the Prince of Peace. That you would be merciful, as we know you are. To your people, to your land, to all involved. God, have your way. God, convict leaders that they would bow down to you, the one true king. Convict us often to remain steadfast and fervent in prayer. We thank you for your word that points us always back to you. And we thank you, God, that in the midst of chaos, in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of hatred in place of love, there is always hope. But our hope comes 
in you, Jesus, and in you alone. So Jesus, come quickly. Rescue us from this place, but we know you prayed to your heavenly Father that he would not remove us from this world, but that he would protect us and be with us. And so we thank you that you are with us, protecting us. Jesus, until you return, our desire collectively is to remain on mission for Jesus and to remain steadfast in the proclamation of our message, and that is the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ, who offers life in the midst of death. So we pray for peace. We pray in the name of Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Would you please turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 5? As by way of review, we are going through a series called King and Kingdom, and it is a uh, study through the Gospel of Matthew. And as you remember, like Matthew, like every other book of the Bible, has a theme, it's got a purpose, it's got an original audience. And Matthew wrote his gospel, his account of the life of Jesus, and all that he taught, all that he did, all of his miracles, all of his proclamations as king, he wrote it to a predominantly Jewish audience. Now, they were young and newer believers in Jesus as Messiah, so they believed that he is who he says he is, and that he would do all that he said he would do and was going to do at that time. But see, he wrote it from this perspective to remind these young believers, yes, Jesus is the promised Messiah, the one you just put your faith and trust in for everlasting life, and he is the king, the long-awaited king, and he has come to bring his kingdom. See, Jesus came to offer the kingdom to the first century nation of Israel because God had promised that. You want to look all the way back in the book of Genesis, the account of first things, Genesis 12, Genesis 15, in God's covenant to the people of Israel through Abraham. It started there. And God is a promise keeper. Would you agree with me? And I believe if we just give the Bible its plain, literal you know, reading, as God wants to communicate to us, we see that God is not done keeping his promises. And so, therefore... We continue to pray for peace, and we pray God's will would be done. But as we study through this awesome account of Jesus' life and teachings in Matthew, we see it flavored so much with a Jewish flavor. We see it, we see it pointing to Jesus as king, and Jesus as the king over a kingdom. Because if you think about it, even just logically, you really don't even have a kingdom if you don't have a ruling and reigning king, do you? And a king can't rightly be called king unless he has a kingdom. There have been many movies and shows made throughout the years. I love many of them that have to do with kingdoms. And we look at ancient kingdoms. And we look at medieval kingdoms. And we look at kingdoms all throughout the world. And it can be fascinating to see people vying for power and who's king, who's the rightful king. And does he lead with an iron fist or is he benevolent? And perhaps he's both. And so... For many of us, these stories like, are very engaging, and we love to hear about this. There's something innate that God put in us, that, that love, that basic story of a king and a kingdom. So Matthew tells us this story. 
And so we have seen Jesus in his genealogy. So we've seen his birth. We've seen the proclamation of his coming by the angels. And we've heard about the wise men. We've heard about Jesus beginning his ministry and right, his baptism, the first things that he did. And so today we start with a look at what's often called the Sermon on the Mount, because Jesus went up onto a mountain and he gave a sermon. So therefore, it's called, it's very theological, the Sermon on the Mount, right? And at the very beginning of this Sermon on the Mount, it's recorded in Matthew 5 through 7. There's some similar uh, accounts in uh, Luke, the beginning of the Gospel of Luke. Some scholars think it's a different sermon. Some think it's just an abbreviated version of this one. But this very well-known sermon of Jesus, the longest one we have recorded, of course, not the only one he ever gave. We don't have a recording of every word Jesus ever said. But the longest one we have a record of, Matthew gives us in, in chapters 5, 6, and 7. And it starts with something we've often called the Beatitudes. And that's what we're looking at today. It's Matthew 5, verses 1 to 12, the Beatitudes. And I entitled this message, A Kingdom Heart and you will see why. Keeping in, again, keeping in mind and in perspective why Matthew is writing this, to show the, the people who are new believers that yes, Jesus is the king, he's come to offer the kingdom. And what does that look like for us today? So of course we will have uh, an application along with it. So if you've turned to Matthew 5, verses one to 12, it's probably in your, in your Bible, it's called the Beatitudes. The word beatitude, it comes from an old Latin word, and it simply means to be happy. Church, let me ask you this question. Are you happy? You don't have to answer or raise your hand, but let me ask you, are you happy? What does it look like for you to be happy? And you're probably sitting there thinking, how do I even start to answer that? Happy about what or about who? What part of my life? Just consider that question during the rest of today's message. Are you happy? And what does it look like for you to be happy? There's an old song kind of dating myself from the 80s by Bobby McFerrin. It was like his hit song. Anybody know what it was called? Don't worry, be happy. Rashawn, brother Rashawn's going to start singing it. Yeah, yes, you know it. It's very catchy. Thank you, brother. It's good. It's very catchy. Don't worry, be happy, it's called. Don't worry, be happy. What a statement. Anybody ever say that to you when you're really struggling? And you're fearful, eh, don't worry, just be happy. You're like, great, thanks. I'll, I'll turn my happy switch on, and there you go. <clears throat> I have people in my life, sometimes I'll catch myself saying that. And they'll, I'll say, don't feel that way. And they'll say, don't tell me how to feel. And I'll say, yes, you're right, I'm sorry. Here's some lyrics to this famous song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Ain't got no place to lay your head. Somebody came and stole your bed? Don't worry, be happy. The landlord says your rent is late, and he might have to litigate. Don't worry, be happy. Ain't got no cash, ain't got no style. Ain't got no girl to make you smile. Don't worry, be happy. In your life, expect some trouble, but when you worry, you make it double. Don't worry, be happy. Because when you worry, your face will frown, and that will bring everybody down. So don't worry. Be happy. Easy, right? We now have the answer. Let us close our Bibles and pray. Mm -hmm. 
But notice there's something interesting in this song, right? It's very common. It's, it's a wonderful song. But all these issues really are circumstantial, right? Hey, do you have enough money for the rent? Do you have somebody in your life, a relationship? Do you have uh, a house to stay in? Are you happy with the circumstances in your life? But see, I think as Jesus is going to point out in this teaching today, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, is the key to true happiness based on our circumstances? Jesus is kind of asking us that question. Is it really all about how much money we have, the status of our relationships, or even our current housing situation? The song is good in spite of circumstances, just be happy. So the question really remains, okay, how do we do that? Well, Jesus shows us how, but it might not be in the way that you think. This Sermon on the Mount starts with what we call the Beatitudes, the blessings. We often hear about it, yes, it really means to be happy, but it's often considered blessings because each one of these that we'll see starts with blessed are they or blessed are you. Happy are those, blessed are those. And I think Jesus gives us a clear example of what true happiness and contentment and joy truly look like. He lists for us character traits of those who are citizens of the kingdom, those who have believed in Jesus for salvation. Again, Matthew is writing to this group of Jewish believers and they are young in their faith, and Matthew is saying, you know what? This is what Jesus said the kingdom will look like and how we are to act now in light of the coming kingdom. See, remember, too, in context, when Jesus said these words and Matthew recorded it, there was no church yet. See, all of the Bible is for us, but not all of it is written to us. You know that? So this was written to first century believers as Jesus was offering the kingdom, the nation of Israel and those who had believed. And so Matthew is recording what Jesus taught. He didn't go to the cross and die yet. There was no coming of the Holy Spirit on those believers after his ascension. And so there was no church yet. But of course, today we read these powerful words of God in the year 2023, and they have direct application for us because we know that we are considered citizens of this coming kingdom. We look forward to being in heaven with Jesus forever. And so Jesus lays out for us this beautiful, powerful picture. What he expects from us today. And I think you'll see a theme come through. So Jesus starts his most famous sermons with a list of internal qualities and characteristics of heirs of the kingdom. They are characteristics for all believers to today who want to fully enjoy the blessings of the kingdom to come and those rewards that our Jesus has for us. See, the Pharisees of the day, again, keeping it in context, the Pharisees that Jesus spent so much time talking to and calling out, they were teaching that entrance into the kingdom was all about outward appearances. If you looked the part, if you acted the part, then you were in. And as Jesus does with everything else, he turns that all around, he turns it inside out. For Jesus 
tells us today that it's not about the outward, it's about the inward. It's about having a kingdom heart. You've heard phrases like, be kingdom-minded. Tony Evans, a great preacher and teacher, has a whole series on kingdom men, kingdom women, being kingdom-minded. Today we want to talk about a kingdom heart. But one day we will live in that earthly kingdom. I truly believe that. We'll be with Jesus. No matter what it looks like, and we're told a lot about what it's going to look like, we will be with Jesus. Can we say amen to that? We will be with him. We will even believe rule and reign with him. So if we want to be benevolent rulers along with our benevolent king, Jesus says, here is what I expect from you. We will go through each of these beatitudes, these blessings, and you will see these are characteristics and qualities that Jesus expects from his followers. Matthew 5, 1 to 12. I'll read it, and we'll briefly go through each one. I forgot to change the clock back, the one on the wall that I'm looking at. So it says we're 12.30, so I guess we're supposed to be done and eating lunch already. Uh, but if you allow me a few more minutes, we'll finish up. Matthew 5, 1 to 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Those are our Beatitudes. There's really eight of them. Um, the last verses, 10 to 12, really are one. He said, blessed are those, and he kind of unpacks it. It's all about those who are being persecuted for the sake of Jesus and righteousness. Well, let's just take a moment to look through these briefly. Here's a map. I don't expect you to read all of the words. I just want to give you a, a, like an overview picture of a map of Israel. It's more of like a, a, more of a modern map, but just to see where things are. The Sinai Peninsula down there on the bottom you have Jordan on the right, uh, and then you have these two bodies of water right in the middle. You see that? You have the Dead Sea on the bottom, and then up top is the Sea of Galilee, and the river that joins the two is the Jordan River. So where is Jesus right now? He's at the top of this map by that little body of water, the Sea of Galilee. This is where Jesus really began his ministry. There's a city or a town there called Capernaum, Capernaum, where he kind of created his headquarters, his base of ministry, and he would travel throughout that land. From last week, we, word, we, we heard uh, the word said that news of Jesus spread all to Syria, see, in the north, meaning it went all over the place. But right now, Jesus is, in our, con in our context here in the passage, he found himself a place on this mountain, a hillside, 
where he would do some teaching. So he could be a little bit elevated and there'd be plenty of room for people to stand or to sit and to listen to the rabbi teach. So he is um, just on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, which is in the northern part there of Israel. And here's a picture uh, from more modern day, a picture of that place. Does that look like a good place to listen to Jesus teach, right? Could you picture him maybe standing under that tree in the shade and, um, or a different tree? I doubt it would be that tree. But he's there. See the Sea of Galilee. So he picks a place, and it's a mount, not a huge mountain, more of like a hill. And he's teaching. It's a beautiful place to listen to Jesus teach. And so he's teaching to the crowds. These are believers, not just the 12, it says to disciples. The crowds of followers of Jesus on a hill slope on a mountain, the northern shore of Galilee, the place you can go visit today, much like this picture. Because teaching or instructing was a uh, major part of his ministry, as we learned last week, along with preaching, proclaiming. So he would instruct, he would make proclamations as the king, and of course through his works, his healings and his miracles. So in today's passage, he is teaching. So when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain so that he could be in view of everybody and that people could hear him. So after he sat down, the disciples came to him. Oftentimes, rabbis would sit and teach. So he began to teach, and let's go through each of these and see what it is that Jesus is trying to show us. He's painting for us a picture of these inner qualities of the citizen of the kingdom of heaven. So, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Again, blessed is a Greek word. It's from the Greek word. It means happy, fortunate, divinely favored. We get that word fortune from being fortunate. It's about being rich. See? So, Jesus is saying, if you're poor in spirit, and you're truly rich in the kingdom. See, the Pharisees were teaching outward appearances they reflected if you were rich or not, favored by God about how well you dressed and how you looked, and Jesus is turning that inside out. He's saying you're divinely rich and favored if you have and exhibit and grow in all of these inner qualities. So they all start with blessed are. So happy are you, fortunate are you, divinely favored are you, if you embody these things and you seek them out and there will be a reward later in what you will receive and enjoy completely in the kingdom. So, these are the character qualities he lists. Blessed are, he gives the character quality and then a future blessing because they shall be. Do you see that? Blessed are, for theirs is, or blessed are, for they shall, for they shall, for they shall. You see that? So you're blessed, you're happy, you're fortunate, divinely favored. You have these, this character and characteristic and you seek it out to grow in it. And what will it be like for you ultimately in the kingdom? So blessed are, he describes a heart attitude or a heart condition. And you shall be or you shall receive something in the future. So poor in spirit simply means this, church. It means we understand our desperate need of Jesus Christ. We understand our spiritual condition, listen, is one of complete poverty 
and destitution apart from Jesus. We are spiritually lost without him. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. He says, theirs is the kingdom of heaven, which means when we get to heaven with Jesus and in that earthly kingdom, we will have full and joyful possession of that kingdom, for theirs is the kingdom. If you want to enjoy that fully, we can enjoy it now if we understand how completely lost we are without Jesus, poor in spirit. We will experience it to its fullest and be the richest we could ever be when we are with Jesus in heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. What does it mean to mourn? Think about it this way. What breaks God's heart? Does that break your heart? Sometimes we sing a song, it's got that lyric in it. God, make my heart break for what breaks yours. Specifically, what breaks God's heart the most? Sin. Sin does. When a believer sins, it breaks our fellowship with God. It breaks God's heart. It's like a father who has a disobedient child. He's still your child, but it breaks your heart. What else breaks God's heart? Injustice, cruelty, hate, murder, suffering of innocent children, mistreatment of the disadvantaged, the forgotten, and the abandoned. They break God's heart. Do these things break our heart as well? Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those whose heart breaks for what breaks God's heart. He says we shall be comforted here and now and in heaven. We receive comfort now. The Psalms tell us that God is close to the brokenhearted. It says he binds up their wounds. But also in the coming kingdom where there will be no more sorrow or sin in heaven for he will one day wipe away all our tears. We praise God for that. So blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. We think about Jesus as gentle. Some of your versions might say meek. But let me tell you, meek does not mean weak. Sometimes we get those two confused. Meek is similar to being humble. It means that we show self-restraint, that we are not proud or domineering. Think about it this way. It's like, let us be confident in who we are in Jesus Christ, so therefore we don't have to be proud or domineering over others. It's like when the football coach says, when you score a touchdown and get in the end zone, act like you've been there before. You don't have to laud it over the other team. It's not insisting on your own way. It's about thinking of others first when we are gentle, Jesus is telling us. It's about the willingness to let others be blessed first. It's like when we have our fellowship lunch and you're ready to get in line for your favorite soup. Are you willing to let somebody get in front of you? I'll be watching. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> hmm. Nobody's going to eat soup now. Nobody's going to get in line, right? It's about waiting for God. Trusting in God's timing that your needs will be met by God so that you can meet other people's needs first. Being gentle, Jesus is telling us, is like being selfless, about being benevolent and giving and charitable like our Jesus is with us. That's what gentle and meek truly means. Then he says, for they shall inherit the earth. That sounds good. You get to have the whole earth. 
Sometimes that word earth can also be translated land. And if we're, again, keeping in context of kingdom, if we're going to rule with Christ, will we be a good leader in that sense? But really, it's like this. You know what? Your reward is in heaven. Your ultimate reward is in heaven, not on this earth. Sometimes God does bless us, of course, and provides us those things that we want in addition to what we need. But isn't that the best mindset for a citizen of the kingdom? Jesus is saying, you know, be gentle, you'll inherit the earth. Your reward is in heaven. You become rich when you don't seek wealth. You become strong when you are humble. You gain respect when you don't demand it. See how Jesus turns that all around. Verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. First, we hunger and thirst for Jesus because we have his righteousness in us in that moment of salvation, the great exchange. But also for his will to be done, for his ways to be our ways, for God's standard to be what we seek. Are we seeking God's will in all things? That pleasing God and seeking holiness in our lives and helping others are our highest priorities. Hunger and thirst, it's what satisfies us right? We leave church and we're hungry, we're thirsty, we're ready for a meal. It's like food and water, he says. You are blessed, you are happy, you are content and joyful if you're hungering and you're thirsting spiritually is for righteousness. What is righteousness? It's the holiness of God. Jesus is saying, let your spiritual sustenance in what fuels you spiritually and what keeps you alive spiritually and what motivates you each day in your spirit be the righteousness and holiness of God. Did Jesus not say, did God not say in his word, be holy for I am holy? Malachi 4 says it this way, for behold, the day is coming, burning like a furnace and all the arrogant and every evildoer will be chaffed. believe it's talking about the coming day of the Lord. And the day that is coming will set them ablaze, the Lord of hosts says, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings and you will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. What a great picture of being blessed and happy and joyful in the righteousness of God. It says we will be satisfied. If our reward is in heaven, the kingdom of God, when we are with Jesus, we will then be truly satisfied. But yes, in this life, we receive blessings as we seek righteousness wholeheartedly. We seek righteousness that is good for us because it's what God wants for us. How do we treat others as we hunger and thirst for righteousness? And the last ones, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Merciful means this, church. It means being forgiving and compassionate, helping those in need. It's about loving God and loving others. Remember the second part of that? The greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God and to love others. How do you love others? Are you merciful towards them? Are you caring 
Do you offer and bring healing with your actions and with your words? Do you build up or do you tear down? It's about being forgiving and compassionate, especially to those who don't seem like they deserve it in our eyes. Have you ever helped those who have wronged you? Have you ever gone out of your way to help those who have hurt you? That is mercy. Ephesians 2, 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he has loved us, our God is rich in mercy. Jesus desires in his heart that we would be merciful. And you know what? He says, it's good for you. You will be happy. You will be blessed. You will be content. For you will receive mercy. Do unto others as you would want them to do to you. Blessed are the poor in heart, for they shall see God. I want to see God. You want to see God? <laughs> Pure in heart, it simply means this. We decide not to sin. We seek holiness. We make that decision as disciples to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus. He's looking for those of his followers to be pure in heart, to say no to sin, to say yes to his holiness. It means drawing near to God to become more like Jesus. You ever pray that? Jesus, help me to become more like you. It's about as we mature in our faith in Christ, it means that we sin less and less. We'll never become sinless, the side of heaven. But we are to sin less and less as we mature in our faith. He says, you will then see God. How about in heaven? We will see God. But what about now on earth? We draw closer to him. When we know his heart, we know his will. James 4.8, draw near to God and what? He will draw near to you. John 15, listen to the word abide in here. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide, abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Abiding, staying close to Jesus. For John 14, 9, Verses before that, Jesus says, he who has seen me has seen the Father. We keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We have seen, we will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Peacemakers, have you found peace with God by believing in Jesus Christ and him alone for the salvation of your sin? Do you then take that ultimate spiritual peace and share it with others? Do you resist, this is an important one, do you resist division and strife in your relationships, in church, at work, in your home? Do you seek peace or is your first reaction one of strife and division? It's about taking the peace you have with God in Christ and sharing it with others. This is a very important passage I want to share. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 20 says this, that we have a ministry of reconciliation. Here's a, a verse perhaps a lot of people have memorized. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. But then what does he say after that? Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 
namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself and not counting their trespasses against them. Now he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. But then he ends with this in verse 20, 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, because of this ministry of reconciliation that we are to be peacemakers, you know what it means? Paul says we are ambassadors for Christ. As though we were making an appeal, God were making an appeal through us. He says we beg on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. See, those of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation, we now have this ministry. You're a minister of reconciliation. Be a peacemaker. Bring the gospel in the way that you act towards others and the way that you proclaim the good news to the people around you who need to hear it. Why? Because Paul says, you know what? You're like an ambassador. You represent Jesus. Romans 5, 1 says, Therefore, having justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 14, 19, So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. We will be called sons of God. We will be close to God, like him, in right relationship with him. Have you ever been told you look just like your parents? Right? There's that, you're the spitting image of your dad. We are are to reflect the image of God, our Heavenly Father, being close to him, abiding in him. We are made in his image, not because only because he created us, but now in his image by reflecting his character in being ministers of reconciliation to Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And then the last one, it's really verses 10 through 12. It's all one. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. It's like he's saying, don't worry, be happy. (laughs) For your reward in heaven is great. See, there it is. He ends this section by saying, your reward in heaven will be great. Are we heavenly minded? For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. He's saying it's been happening. It will happen to you. It will happen in the future. Church, a lot of talk today about the rise of persecution against the church and against Christianity. Remember there have been brothers and sisters in Christ who have been persecuted for the sake of the name of Jesus Christ for more than 2,000 years around the world. Why should we be any different? We have been favored. We have been fortunate. We have been blessed in this country. But that there is no guarantee that we will never face that. Because Jesus said, if they persecute me, they will persecute you for my name's sake. Persecuted for righteousness' sake. Jesus said we would suffer, be persecuted. But Jesus says, you know what? Rejoice in this. Be blessed in this. He says, what's the reward? Yours is the kingdom of heaven. Your ultimate reward is not here on earth, but it is in heaven. John 14, 27. Listen to these beautiful words of Jesus as we bring this to a close. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. So do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Jesus says, don't be fearful. Don't be troubled. 
He says, I give you true and everlasting peace. Don't look for peace in the things of this world. He says, I don't give you peace like the world offers. I give you true and lasting peace. So, what are some final applications? Our true reward is in heaven, but yet God blesses us here, this side of heaven. As we seek to embody all of these inner qualities, not what's on the outside like the Pharisees taught, but what's on the inside. You see, you got a picture. Jesus is teaching to all of these Jewish people who have now believed in him. And you know what they were concerned about? They were like, how am I going to get into the kingdom? Before Jesus even came, the Pharisees were teaching them, this is how you get in the kingdom when God sends the Messiah. And they were teaching all about the outward appearance. Jesus comes along and says, first of all, I'm the king. It's my kingdom. Let me tell you what I'm looking for. What is Jesus looking for? Well, he's looking for those who are characterized by humility, brokenness, patience, obedience, thirst and hunger for holiness, mercy, being purity, a pure of heart, being peacemakers, and a fearless devotion to God. We are to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ in this world, Paul says. What does an ambassador do? He represents another country. You know, the U.S. has ambassadors all over the world. The ambassadors go and live, usually in the embassy, right? They go and live in that other country, and they represent this country. That embassy is actually U.S. soil, and that rep, the ambassador represents our interests, our values, our culture, our desires, our goals, our laws, in effect. It's what an ambassador does. But see, the ambassador church does not represent his own values and his own needs and his own goals and his own laws. He represents that of his commissioning leadership and country. Paul says, we are ambassadors of Christ. Because one day that kingdom's coming and Jesus will come and bring that kingdom. And he says, here's the way I want you to live like it now. Be my ambassadors. Get people ready for me to come back. This is what I expect of you. The inner qualities, it's having a kingdom heart. Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. Boy, does he not sum this up. Consider a beautiful aspect of the heart of our Savior. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened. Is that you? I will give you rest. You long for rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus, our coming King. Jesus, the one who overturned the tables of the money changers in the temple, the one who was indignant at the Pharisees for their stubbornness and provoked them by healing on the Sabbath, whose righteous anger towards evil and sin is revealed all throughout scriptures, also has a heart of compassion and mercy and love. 
See, these are not God's emotions. They are part of his character and his nature. It is what God desires for us. In a moment, we will move into our communion time as we close out our service. Micah 6.8 summarizes it this way. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? That's a good way to live, isn't it? That's having a kingdom heart. As we, um, as we look at taking the bread and the cup together, remember that it's all about Jesus. We learned about this teaching of Jesus and how he's teaching those citizens of the kingdom how to act here and now and what to expect in heaven. But we know that all of it is made possible because the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, gave himself for you. You know that? You believe that? That is what a benevolent king does. King Jesus, the almighty king, has given himself willingly on our behalf that through his death, we might have life. So I'm going to ask you now as you hear the music play that you take a moment to reflect on that truth. Reflect on how you stand in those beatitudes. Do you have a kingdom heart? So consider that. Spend time with your God. Consider the state of your heart, your kingdom heart. And then when you're ready, there's no rush. I would just ask that you can just get up whenever you're ready, reflecting on that with Jesus. You can come up here and take a piece of bread in the cup, or you can go to the back table and take the elements and return to your seat. When we've all done that, then we'll lead us, including our time together, by taking of the bread and cup in memory of what Jesus has done for us. So let's do that now. Take some time with God.
the night before he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he told his disciples, this represents my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So church, let's take and eat together in remembrance of Jesus. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said that that cup represented the new covenant of his blood. And that as often as we eat the bread and drink the cup, Paul tells us that we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So like we do with the bread, Jesus said to drink from this cup in remembrance of him. Let's do that together in remembrance of Jesus' shed blood on our behalf. Church, let's stand together and close with a song. As we are reminded of the great mercy of God through Jesus Christ, we thank him for his mercy. We thank him for his grace, that wonderful grace. Let's sing to close our time together.
his name. We thank you, Lord. You are good and worthy to be praised. Lord, there is nothing that truly matches your wonderful grace found truly in the person of Jesus. May we desire to be more like him each and every day. And until we get to see him face to face, Father God, may we represent him well in this life, being your ambassadors, telling others about Jesus, singing songs of his wonderful grace. We'll do it all for your glory, through the power of the Spirit. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Give our team a couple minutes to bring out all the food and then stay and enjoy. Enjoy together. Praise the Lord.
Good news for the shame. There is good news for the world who walked away. There is good news for. 